often is a specialist contract research organization testing infectious and respiratory disease products using human challenge clinical trials. The market cap as of the end of June 2022 is £74 million and I'm delighted that I'm joined by the Chief Executive Mo Khan and the Chief Financial Officer Leo Toole. So gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for joining me. First question to you though Mo, for the uninitiated, what is a contract research organisation? Yeah, well first of all thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to uh, speak to you again Sarah. So yeah, contract research organization or CRO is effectively an enterprise that conducts clinical trials on behalf of the pharmaceutical or the biotech companies. About 30, 40 years ago, the biotech and the pharma companies realized that outsourcing of clinical trials is much easier for them because of the fluctuations in the resources required internally. So they want to effectively outsource that. So we run clinical trials on behalf of both big pharma, small to mid-sized, Biotechs too. But one of the key differences between us and a, a typical CRO, if you will, is that we are the world leader in challenge studies. We effectively have 90% of the market in conducting challenge studies, whereby we, we actually inoculate each healthy volunteer with a virus, and then we test the drug under quarantine conditions. So we are fairly unique in that area. And as I say, we, we have over 90% of the clinical trial market, and we have done about 60 challenge studies to date, and have been running uh, challenge studies for over 20 odd years. Okay, but you haven't been going for 20 odd years, Mo. So how did the business in its current form come into being? Yeah, so open often, um, you're right, hasn't been going for over 20 years, but um, one of its subsidiaries, uh, HVIVO, was previously known as Retroscreen. Uh, which came out of the Common Cold Unit, which was actually formed in the 1940s. So they have a long history of doing uh, Common Cold Challenge studies. But once Retroscreen uh, changed its name to HVIVO, and then a couple of years ago, HVIVO was acquired by OpenOfen. Uh, a year earlier, uh, in fact, uh, OpenOfen also acquired Venn Life Sciences. So those three companies together effectively formed, uh, uh, formed the OpenOfen Group. So we're now able to offer full service, end-to-end -end clinical trial services when it comes to challenge studies to all our clients. Okay, so that sounds a little bit um, complicated, that business structure. So Lee, Leo, do, is it complicated or is it a beautifully streamlined, smooth operator? Well, um, it, it does at first glance sound complicated, but really it's, not too many operating businesses were focused in London with operations in France uh, and in the Netherlands. And those businesses work very closely together. They're very well integrated and our, our French and Dutch um, entities are actually strongly support uh, our London business. So it, we, we've, we've managed to get the, the business working very smoothly. So does smooth translate to cash generation? Are you profitable yet? Yes, we are. Um, I think when the companies were initially merged together, uh, we were in a bit of a turnaround situation, heavy losses, which as you know, isn't sustainable. 
But over the last 24 months, we've worked on driving sales, also worked on cutting costs, simplifying the way we work. And so we were very happy to report our 2021 results only a few weeks ago, and we had delivered revenue just shy of £40 million, and we delivered um, a positive EBITDA profit of just under three million pounds. And that was a 76% increase in revenue and almost a nine million swing on EBITDA. So we're very much moving in the right direction. Now we would say we're not happy with those metrics yet. Certainly we see a lot of room for growth in our top line revenue driven by the strategic role of infectious diseases in the pharma space as well as adoption of the challenge study model. But we also know we work to do to drive productivity, drive utilization. So we absolutely see our underlying profitability measures improving over time in the next number of years. So Mo, um, take extrapolating what Leo's just spoken to us about there. I mean, record revenues representing 76% growth. Is this type of growth, annual growth, are you able to do this year on year, year, or have you set a, a rod for your back? Was it just an odd year? Yeah, not an odd year. We, we are continuing to uh, drive for growth. So this year we are forecasted to hit revenues of around £50 million. So again, a pretty good year-on-year uh, -year growth. And as well as that, as well as that we are um, aiming to deliver uh, double-digit uh, EBITDA percentage points. So both from a revenue point of view and a profitability point of view, I think we are going stronger and stronger. And one of the other key things I want to add is that you know we are a challenge study CRO and that's our core business, but we've also divested into a new stream of revenue. So for example, we're now offering clinical site services where we act as a, a clinical site uh, to our customers. We've also expanded on our laboratory services, um, you know, doing viral challenge studies for 20 plus years uh, and doing the laboratory analysis you know has given us a lot of experience and we've got some strong scientific expertise that so now we are selling that uh, service to to third parties so not only are we building on, on the quarantine and, and the challenges we're running but we're also adding new service lines and then on top of that just one final point if i may we're now adding new challenge models so for example you know this year we've started our, our largest asthma trial We've also just finished developing a malaria model. So we are adding our current challenge models and we're also adding new service lines. So I can see from the regulatory news statements that you've been pretty successful where contract wins are concerned. But my concern is, does the business have the capacity? No, it's, it's, it's a really good concern. So at the moment with our projections that I've just given you 50 million uh, of, of revenue, that's within the current capacity. So we have a quarantine facility in Whitechapel split into two separate buildings across the road from each other. So even if they are 80% utilized, we will be able to fulfill those revenue targets. But on, on the growth uh, phase, if we do um, end up reaching full capacity, we have shown in the past that we were able to add a new quarantine facility within a four month period. And typically when we are awarded a new study, it takes about five to six months to get it to quarantine because you have to design the study, you have to get it past ethics committees and the regulatory approvals. So we have at a minimum a six month notice period between the study being awarded to it uh, going into quarantine. 
And the fact that we were able to set up a, a completely new quarantine facility in a four-month period, I don't think capacity constraints will be an issue for us. Okay, so together you are the money men. So, Leo, what is the potential for the business and how is the business going to get there? Uh, that's, an, that's an expansive question. I mean, we're, we certainly see an opportunity to, you know, as, as Mo alluded to, uh, 50 million pounds uh, this year. We see strong potential to continue that kind of growth uh, into, into future periods. And, you know, we're, we're, we're confident we continue that growth. Our focus, though, is, you know, we see that momentum and we think the market momentum will bring us there. Our focus right now, as I touched on earlier, is now how do we translate that into real peer-to-peer kind of margin performance for the business. So we're looking at how we drive utilization. We look at how we drive productivity in the way we work. So looking at, you know, initiatives to improve the digitization of, of, of our labs, all of those kind of initiatives, big emphasis on driving IT systems, big emphasis on how we streamline and simplify the way we recruit. So it's these are the hard yards of how you drive sustainable performance now that the turnaround is done. And I think we're in a great place to, to do that as we go forward. I'm wondering if you're going to attract the attention of US drug firm Moderna because it's going to build a new research and manufacturing center here in the UK to develop vaccines against COVID variants and viruses. So, so Mo, um, are there opportunities from this news about Moderna? Could Moderna become a client or is it a threat? Or um, does it show that the UK is the place to be where medicine and treatments are concerned? So, um, to be honest, I can't, I can't comment publicly on who our clients are because, of course, we're banned by confidentiality, uh, confidentiality clauses. But uh, Moderna would not be doing challenge trials internally, let me just say that, because the number of challenges they would require to do every year isn't sufficient for them to be able to build such an extravagant model. So just to give you an example, it costs about two million pounds to build a new challenge model. Never mind having then to, to need to build a, a whole quarantine facility, recruit all the clinical, medical and scientific staff. So it's, it's a big undertaking. So I don't believe the pharma companies would want to insource that all of a sudden. And this is why I think the outsourcing will increase. Moderna are a, a huge player in, in the vaccine and antiviral development. There's no doubt about that. And they're people you know we talk to uh, very often, but you're right on, on the UK being a hub, especially when it comes to vaccines and antivirals. You know we, we were the the first CRO to do a COVID challenge trial, and that study was effectively sponsored by the UK government. The regulatory framework for challenge studies in the UK is, is second to none. In fact, there are tighter restrictions in Europe and the US when it comes to starting and conducting challenge trials. And I think you know, with our continued work with some of the key opinion leaders, for example, with the Imperial College, the Wellcome Trust, and so on, I think we can build on that on scientific and academic uh, connections and, and collaborate even more so with the commercial partners. In terms of open orphan, often open orphan is synonymous with the spin-out business model. Leo, is this a fair assessment? Uh, we completed a, an important spin-out last year that has now become uh, Poolbeg Pharma. 
and, and our shareholders received a, a, a very interesting dividend in specie uh, on that on that transaction. And I believe that business is is working away very diligently. So we 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 know we have other assets on our balance sheet that uh, we retain really for, for from historical investments. So we're continuing to look actively at how we will monetize those assets over time. I mean, market conditions are a little choppy right now if, we're, if, if we look at the landscape at the moment, but you know, we continue to see a lot of potential and a lot of value in those assets. Uh, and you know, there's work ongoing on, on monetizing them over time. Understood. So, Mo, you're you're relatively new in the role of chief executive, not relatively new in terms of your association with Open Orphan, but you are the boss. You've been the boss since the beginning of 2022. So what what's your style? Are you able to allow others to handle the day to day administration, which allows you to get on with the blue sky thinking or is your style a blend? I think it's initially it's, it, it has to be a little bit of a blend because historically open often uh, was very, uh, to a certain point academically led, you know, they were a biotech before the, the pullback spin out. So the conversion to a really a true executionary uh, CRO uh, type enterprise was, was a change. So you know, setting KPIs and targets and making sure that we were, you know, recognizing revenue and utilization. Uh, monitoring and so on, they've all been set and, and people know what, what they need to do. But as we move forward, absolutely, you know, Leo talked about the, the organic growth, but we also potentially looking at further acquisition to help us, you know, bolt on services or add on services to what we already do. So you're absolutely right. As, as we move forward and I, I settle in and and we're able to kind of put in measures and plans in, in what we're doing and how we're executing, I, I will be focusing on, on the future and, and looking to grow the company both inorganically, for example, like adding new revenue stream, but also um, through acquisitions. And Sarah, you, you mentioned our market cap at the beginning of the uh, conversation, but to be honest, I mean, I, I, I'm convinced we are undervalued. You know, we had a backlog um, of 65 million pounds, and that's almost near our market cap, which is ridiculous to be honest. So. We know that the, the markets will reflect our, our true valuation uh, at the right time. Uh, you know, that so many external market factors currently impacting uh, the whole market. So when the time is right, uh, and as we continue to grow and, and we build, I think you know, we'll, we'll see a much stronger future and, and a much improved share price. The pair of you being really diplomatic about the state of the markets at the moment. The markets at the moment are awful. They are truly awful. However, Leo, I think what you were alluding to is the, 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 the serendipitous opportunities within a bear market, which I believe is what we're in. So the opportunities are still there. Yes, I think so. And, you know, you do look around very carefully at the landscape and see what 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 potential assets are there. I would like to think that we we have a pretty good strategic filter that we run any any ideas through. Firstly, does it make sense for the business? You know, does it does it help our our business uh, grow? 
Um, and, and there's no point bolting on a business if you're going to spend all your time then trying to fix it or having to have growth or, you know, merging pains. So that's a really strategically it has to work for us. Then it's a case of if it's good value, sure, maybe that helps you move, move a transaction along faster. So those really it, it's got to be about strategy in the, in, and, and if it's good value, then great. That, 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 that's all the better. So Mo, you and Leo are obviously a good team. You're working very well together. But overall, is the leadership and management team complete or is it just the patients that you're recruiting for at the moment? No, the leadership is, is very strong, very complete, hugely experienced and have diverse skill sets. So I think that's a, it's a really good team. Um, but patients, I, I assume you mean uh, healthy volunteers that we, we, we recruit. Absolutely, that is a challenge, and you know we have this FluCamp uh, branded uh, recruitment portal that we use. So we use social media, you know, as, well as, as well as traditional media, to recruit our patients. We open up a, a new huge screening capacity in uh, uh, East London, as well as adding a new screening facility in Manchester. And we, we're, we're going to look forward to see how we can expand our reach in, in getting new healthy volunteers. And recruitment, by the way, is, is, is a key challenge for all. CROs and, and pharma company. In fact, 80% of the trials that get delayed get delayed because of poor patient enrollment. And to date, I can say that we've had a 100% success rate in delivering our studies on time. So Leo, the final question to you, and it's not as negative as it originally initially sounds, but what keeps you awake at night? I always say insomnia, but I'll, I'll leave you, Leo. <laughs> I usually sleep quite well, actually, but wh where are my concerns? Look, we all know a business like ours, it's it's really about good, solid planning, really trying to anticipate, you know, get, get a really solid sales pipeline in place, have really solid execution plans. So right now, our focus, I think we've Mo alluded to, we've got over 60 million pounds and growing of an order book. It's really, really, really good. So our it, our shift now is, okay, how do we make sure we're delivering that with excellence? So that's where our focus is right now. And I touched on it earlier about productivity and utilization. So really that's where we're zeroing in on delivering with excellence. And then the next step is we're starting, our planning horizon is starting to expand. We're now thinking about right now, we know that most of, 2023 is already largely covered and we're trying to finish off booking revenue for 2023. Our planning horizon is now stretching into 2024 and we're starting to think of the big strategic plays we have to make today to enable growth in 2024. And that's the difference of coming when you're in a turnaround phase, your planning horizon is about one foot in front of your face. Now that we've fixed it, we've got cash, we control our own destiny. Now we can start looking at it more broadly. So it's less about what keeps us awake at night, more some of the more strategic questions that we have. And we're trying to tease out what decisions and investments we make today to enable growth in the future. Does that, does that help? That you answers there? my question. Delivering with excellence. I think that is the perfect way to end our conversation. Thank you very much, Leo Tool, the Chief Financial Officer, Mo Khan, the Chief Executive of Open Our Orphan. It's been Thank absolutely you. delightful. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah.